This episode of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by The Everyday Fan. Check out their content and a passionate group of content creators getting together to create content for the, for the growing community of pop culture, fan base, fandoms, and especially sports such as football, basketball, baseball, professional wrestling, and MMA fantasy sport. Control your content and share your story around the world today. The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Today's edition of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by Anchor.fm, a free distribution service podcasting hosting platform that allows you to record your podcast on your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so much more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor.fm app or go to Anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to Neo Reality Collective. I am your host, Eric Brown, and today we're finally catching up on some news that happened over the Thanksgiving week and partially from last week. And oh god! So let's get right into things. We've already bad news. Battlefield 2042. Remember that game? Uh, yeah. Well, they released the, uh, on November 22nd, they released the Season 3 event, known as Escalation, bringing a new map, Battle Pass, and Specialists and more. The new map, Spearhead, puts players in the sweetest wilderness as they fight in, in and around high-tech, two high-tech weapon manufacturing facilities. It will also see the launch maps manifest in Breakaway Rework, but not until December and January, respectively. A refreshed 100-tier Battle Pass system will also arrive with the update. That includes a new specialist as one of the few, un few unlockables. This Egyptian-born security expert comes armed with an XM370A Airburst launcher designed to force enemies out of cover in the fastest health recharge of any specialist. Speaking of weapons, Season 3 brings the Warsh MK4 Railgun, NVK-S22 Smart Shotgun, NVK-P125, a bullpit pistol <clears throat> and the battlefield favorite throwing knives to 2042. A new vehicle, the ME the EMK V90 TOR tank, is also being added to the game, which would also be switched into different modes depending on the situation. New assignments as well, letting players unlock even more bolt weapons to use the all-out warfare mode. And how do I say this delicately? No one cares. Honestly, got facts. I don't think anyone cares anymore. Why does no one care? Because first impressions are important. You launch the game as a beta horribly, and then you launch the game horribly. I do not care about this launch. 
And I've seen people go ahead and defend Battlefield 2042, saying it's better now than it was at the start. Okay, question. Why not have it have been delayed and just around this time, and we probably would have been giving a much better tune? No, that, that would have asked too much from people. We have tribalists defending this game. So, Activision Blizzard, that company, uh, remember that um, controversial stuff that happened with uh, China all those years ago? Well, uh, it seems that their deal with NetEase has finally come to an end because they were unable to re reach a new agreement. And therefore, that triggers a huge event for China in January 23 of January 23rd. Overwatch, Diablo, and other Activision Blizzard games will soon become unplayable. Activision Blizzard is also looking for alternative ways to bring its games to China, but it's unclear if and when that, that may happen. <sighs> oh, God. NetEase promised to serve its players until the last minute and keep their data and assets well protected. Meanwhile, all the continued expansions for, Over for World of Warcraft, Dragonflight, Hearthstone, March of the Lich King, and Overwatch Season 2 will all continue to be released, but new sales and discounted games will be suspended in the coming days. So, everything that Blitz Chung went through, well, now it's completely pointless in the eyes of in the eyes of people because now they have broken their ties with China and Activision Blizzard doesn't know what to do next. Meanwhile, Dead Island 2 got delayed to April 2023 of the 28th. Oh, God. And they even acknowledge that the irony of delaying is not lost to them. And they just try to say it's 12 weeks. I'm like, I don't think anyone cares anymore about Dead Island. Like, did anyone even remember this game was in development still? Until last, until earlier, until like halfway of this year when they start bringing it up again? Um, I, I don't think so. I, I honestly keep forgetting about it. Meanwhile, Fred Fed Alvarez's upcoming Alien movie may have found the next brave soul going to head-to-head -head with the Xenomorphs. According to Deadline, Charlie I can't pronounce the name, is in talks to star in the next Alien movie following the tradition of Shigori Weaver, Naomi Rapace, and Katherine Watterson, and who have all starred in Alien movies over the years. Best known for her role as Erin McMillian in Mayor of Easttown, and that's M-A-R-E, not... M-A-Y-O-R in HBO series, and she will be starring as Priscilla Presley, Presley as in Sofia Cop Coppola's adaptation of Memoir, and El Memoir Elvis and Me. The new Alien movie is also coming to Hulu and has apparently personally garnered the attention of Ridley Scott himself. According to Alvarez, he pitched his Alien idea to Scott, and years later, Scott called Alvarez asking if he still wanted to make it. According to Deadline, Scott's company, Scott Free and 20th Century, made Alvarez's alien idea a top priority, though details about the plot and characters have been announced, though there will presumably be a Xenomorph or two. The director is also known for his roles in the Evil Dead reboot, and he also wrote the story to the new Ch Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the original film Don't Breathe. So, yeah. 
Meanwhile, John Leguizamo, the, the Luigi actor, calls out the Mario movie casting. Super Mario Brothers, John Leguizamo, isn't a fan of the new casting of the Super Mario movie. During an interview with Mindy Wire, the former Luigi actor complained about the Yiptoon movie's lack of diversity compared to the 1993 film. The director, Jankel and Rocky Morton, thought really hard for me to be in the lead because I was a Latin man and the studio didn't want me to be in the lead. They fought really hard and it was such a breakthrough for, time, for them to go backwards and not cast an actor of color kind of sucks. Um, I would like to point out that uh, Chris Pratt's voicing Mario. Yeah, I still can't see this. Uh, and I haven't even watched the trailer, but I kept hearing that everyone has said the same thing. It's basically Chris Pratt voicing himself, not voicing Mario. I get the feeling, like, he kept saying how he was, you know, saying he, he's been working on his Mario impersonation. I get the feeling that they did have a There is a recorded footage of him speaking like Mario, but they decided, okay, that sucked. Just speak normally. Like, that's my only explanation how to justify how they changed the, the voice acting ability. So, um, Joseph Quinn, a.k.a. Eddie, um, from Stranger Things, is currently in negotiations to join A Quiet Place Day One in a leading role. Quinn will star the main star alongside, uh, I can't pronounce the name, uh, in the spin-off film for Paramount. While not much is known about the prequel, the whole film will hopefully set up the potential Quiet Place universe that Paramount could build upon for years to come. The spin-off will be directed and written by Michael Swarnsky, who previously directed the Nick Cage film, Pig. For Quinn, the role represents a blossoming career that has taken off since the fourth season of Stranger Things, introduced and killed Eddie Munson. The actor earned rave reviews for his role, and the season continued to break records for Netflix viewership. Quinn also appeared in BBC's One's Les Miserables and 2018's Overlord, as well as a small role in Game of Thrones. So... A Quiet Place Day One is once again based on an idea from John Krisky, who directed and starred in the first two Quiet Place films. While it hasn't been entirely confirmed, it's unlikely that hit, that the character, that the actor, the, the actors that co-star Emily Blunt will be reprising the role for their installment. Currently, the franchise is developing the third film in the series, with him returning to direct. The film currently slated for 2025. So, yeah, look forward to Day One. It will release on March 8th, 2024. Meanwhile, everyone's been talking about Starfield's original release date has come and gone, and it was, you know, delayed around the halfway mark of this year. Phil Spencer is confident in his decision to delay the game. Speaking of The Verge, inspired by PC gamers, Spencer said that releasing a game too early is a mistake by the, the company has made before, and especially as Starfield is the first Bethesda game to be released as an Xbox exclusive, he wanted the developers to feel supported by their new publisher. Okay, how about you fire Todd Howard and then we can talk. We have experienced shipping games too early, like Halo Infinite. But in hindsight, when you look at the game like Starfield, which is taking so long and so much investment in a new IP from the team, the decision to give the team the time to build the game that they feel should be building is just the right thing to do. Starfield and Redfall, which are the first big Xbox games with Bethesda's and Emacs owners, in coming into the team, I just wanted to make sure to 
these teams felt they had the support they could get from Xbox, maybe feel some of the benefit of being part of a larger organization that has other revenue streams and other things going on that could be helpful. <laughs> yeah. So, Phil Spencer at least is smart to know that he can't just, you know, do what Todd Howard did or what Xbox did previously or what they recently had done with Halo Infinite because imagine Halo Infinite got delayed another year and came out this month with the Forge mode, with all that stuff, it probably would have gotten a lot better reception from big popular YouTubers. That in co-opting developers not trying to screw people over. So Bioshock creator and Take-Two Interactive are involved with the upcoming movie of Bioshock, saying the game, which is apparently really true to the game, saying it will stay true to the game and whatnot. During an interview with Collider, the director, Francis Lawrence, explained how Netflix has given him free reign to tackle the movie as he sees fits, and that means working alongside the creator. Basically, me and Cameron, who works with me and Michael, are, ga are getting to do what we want to do, which is great. A lot of it is staying really true to the game itself, and we're taking t talking to Take Two, Interactive, and Ken Levy. So, when I heard this, I was thinking to myself, okay, I get it's trying to stay true to the tone and style of the game, but my concern was that if it takes it too much from the game. To the point, it's just basically a non-interactive version of the game. <laughs> oh, man. So, I'm hoping that they do make some changes and make their necessary changes to make the film version stand out from its original predecessor, so we'll have to see. Meanwhile, direct DC's D James Gunn, who had recently had his uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special released on Disney+, Plus during the Thanksgiving week, um, seen, has a teased um, that there's going to be a Mr. Terrific project. Finally. <laughs> so apparently the new DC Universe is set to include, the DCEU is set to include Mr. Terrific down the road, and considering how they re-canonized the GSA into the DCEU with Black Adam, yeah, since, you know, there's been no mention of them in any other films, so they'll have to find a way to explain that down the road. But, uh, speaking of, um, yeah, Mr. Terrific being involved in the future DCEU does sound kind of cool. Uh, he made his first appearance back in comics in 1942, and two different people have taken on the role. Terry Salone, originally followed by Michael Holt. The photo gun posted specifically of Hull, who appeared in DC Arrowverse with a role in Arrow Season 4 to Season 8. And, yeah, basically he has 14 PhDs, a high-tech firm he eventually sells to Wayne Tech. Oh boy. And is a gold medal winning Olympian. After the accidental death of his family, he takes on the mantle of Mr. Terrific and joins the Justice Society of America, which, like I mentioned, is recently seen in DC's Black Adam. Unknown currently is the role of what Mr. Terrific play in their plan for the DCU. The two CEOs have started work on their 8-10 to 10 year plan for films, games, animation projects, and more. Uh, yeah. See, th this is the thing I had an issue with. Like, they came out and said the games would also follow the DCU, which is like, not everyone who watches movies plays the games, and not everyone who plays the games watches the movies, which means... Um, problems could happen. Meanwhile, Multiverses Season 2 kicked off around November 15th, and 
Yeah. The head, the, uh, there will be no power pass tiers without rewards. You can equip up to three bad badges at once. The silly queue includes a four, four fun game modes and items. Big head mode, three items include bounce pad, proximity mine, and drumstick. New cosmetics include Uncle Sweat, Shagworthy, and Samurai Batman. The Space Jam map now keeps the score of baskets made. The new intro tutorial has been simplified, character balance updates, and network latency improvements also added. So, yeah. So, <laughs> Multiverses is certainly doing well. Meanwhile, the co-creator Fable, and surprisingly not the other guy who likes to brag about much, um, uh, <laughs> oh god, Dim Carter turned uh, revealed that the original label could have been entirely different, where he said on Twitter this, when you're feeling lost, steal it. 100% rip it off from another game. <laughs> oh, God. What he was doing was trying to steal Devil May Cry and turn it into Fable. He then also said on November 14th on Twitter, saying, I'm sure everyone knows this hack already, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. On the odd chance that that saves someone from going completely off the rails during the de their dev, it's a hint about scope. When you're feeling lost, steal it. 100% rip it off from out of the game. And he talked about how he did that in Devil May Cry. <sighs> So he then comes out and says, literally copying the scope of Devil May Cry, the interaction density of Silent Hill, the encounter style of the first wave of the Samurai, changed Fable from a floppy, undefined, never-ending death march to something we could actually complete without ever having to work on, on a 3D game. <sighs> Peter Molyneux would be proud. So... Apparently there were plans... So Rockstar apparently did slam the brakes on a Grand Theft Auto film led by Emine, uh, uh, Eminem. Oh, I'm trying to get the name right. With Top Gun, Helmer, Tony Scott in the director's chair. So they gave, they gave them a five million... So... Grandest Game Podcast, it revealed per Eurogamer that an LA producer once approached uh, the Rockstar Company with a $5 million offer to buy the rights to a Grand Theft Auto movie, and they turned it down. This was supposed... They did discuss previously, allegedly, a possibility of a tie-in following the launch of GTA 3, but when the offer for a Grand Theft Auto film was eventually put on the table, the brothers declined the deal, telling Ewing that they were not interested in going down that route, and that's where the conversation ended. Would it have been good? Well, around that time... No, probably wouldn't have. That game still have a struggle trying to get market share in the film industry. But back then, it probably would have been a massacre. Meanwhile, on November 29th, uh, the Winter Soldier joins the Marvel's Avengers game in their next update. Cool. Meanwhile, Ryan Johnson, the director of The Last Jedi, really wants to make another Star Wars film. 
saying, uh, making Star Wars was the high point of my life. I pray to God I'll be back there someday. Uh, we'll have to see. Let's just hope he doesn't get compromised by the Disney management. Meanwhile, back on November 12, it was announced by Variety that Bob Chapier sent an internal memo to top executives at the company on Friday, November 11, saying that their, their coming leaks there are going to be difficult ones, saying, revealing that there's going to be big layoffs alongside targeted hiring freeze and travel limits. Oh, I'm sure there's not going to be any changes in management that's going to stop that from happening or some hell is going to break loose. Because that would be crazy. But we'll be back after these messages to continue the last half of these articles and news reports. This is your host, Eric Brown of New Reality Collective, Pop Culture News and Reviews Time. Stay tuned for more. I'll see you all again in a few minutes. Peace and take care. And keep on popping for now. Be back later. We're back. Let's finish this whole thing off and finally get something done. <laughs> Been mostly focusing on my wrestling content on my YouTube channels. Stranger Things Season 5 will be a thematic conclusion to all the previous seasons. I would certainly hope so. I'm like, the last time I heard that everything that happened previously will matter at the end, I'm getting Mass Effect 3 flashbacks. <laughs> oh, man. So, report by Variety, the Duffer Brothers participated in the FYC panel discussion on Sunday night around that week uh, alongside director Sean Levy and the series stars, series stars and a virtual about Millie Bobby Brown. At the event, the creative team behind the Netflix hit offered the first hints about what the fans could expect for the highly anticipated fifth and final season. Um, Ross said that that they're viewing season five as a culmination of all the series of all the seasons with a little bit of everything from the past. He also noted that season three was a big summer blockbuster season with big monsters, while season four was a psychological horror, but now they're trying to go back to the beginning. He knows that the tone will likely end up being closer to that of the first season, but scale-wise, the last group of episodes will be more aligned with the fourth season. Season four allegedly per cost had an episode cost of $30 million per episode, and making it one of the most expensive seasons in history, though it later became Netflix's first English language series to pass one billion hours of watch time. Matt Reeves and Ross previously hinted that the fifth season won't be as long as the four, season four's 13-hour runtime. There will be less set up before the kids get drawn into the supernatural mystery. However, the emotional stakes are not expected to be impacted by a potentially shorter season. As the team at FYC panel revealed that some Netflix success were in tears during the two-hour pitch for the final season. Just as important as the supernatural, we have many, so many characters now, most of whom are still living. It's important to, to wrap up those arcs because a lot of those characters have been growing since season one, so it's a balancing act between giving them time to complete their character arcs and also trying to tie up loose ends and, do, and doing our final reveals, reveals. And the first episode of the final season will be titled The Crawl. The premiere is expected to drop alongside all, or at least most, of the episodes on the same day, rather than switching to the weekly releases. Those were knowing season four were split into two sets of releases, so that could be on the table again. Um, I would certainly hope that, they, that this would be a thematic conclusion to all the previous seasons, or else we'd be getting Mass Effect 3 flashbacks. Meanwhile, coming in December, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt is getting a next-gen update for P PS5 and Xbox Series X and S. Uh, 
It will include a dozen visual performance and technical enhancements over the original, including ray tracing support, faster loading times on consoles, as well as a variety of mods integrated into the experience, amongst many others. More details on those integrated mods and other features will be shared during a Twitch live stream. Over was shared during a Twitch live stream, but CD Projekt Red has otherwise confirmed the next-gen version will include all pre-release DLC content alongside new content based on the Witcher Netflix series. <laughs> the game was originally expected to be released last year before being delayed twice with the third-party studio Saber Interactive originally developing the new version. CD Projekt Red took over itself in April 2022, though persisted that the game was not in development hell. So... Get ready for the Witcher 3 flat. Witcher 3 Reborn. <laughs> so, um, apparently, remember how the NetEase executive, uh, NetEase and Blizzard's relationship kind of came to an end? Well, IGN learned additional details leading to what ended the Blizzard Activision Activision Blizzard 14-year partnership with, with NetEase following one NetEase executive's social media statement pointing the finger at a jerk. According to sources at the company, or the company's partnership with NetEase, the agreements between the two companies are reviewed every few years in order to extend the existing agreements. However, a new proposal would have fundamentally changed the terms of the agreement and impact certain aspects, including dealing how the games are launched and operated, as well as changes over the control of, our, of their IP. One source also noted that the company is committed to the Chinese gaming market, one of the largest consumer markets in the world, and that alternatives are being looked into to bring the games back into the region in the future. So... That partnership is officially dead, and it's all because of, quote, one jerk. A quote one senior NetEase figure. So, who it is, I don't know. Meanwhile, Amy Adams says she would return as Lois Lane new Superman films if the deal ever comes up, since Henry Cavill is back, so... Yeah, get ready for that. She would come back as... Lois Lane and everything, and she hasn't been been seen since the uh, Justice League film, or even the Zack Snyder Justice League film, uh, saying that when asked about her return, they haven't spoken to me about it, but if it is me, great. If it's somebody else, the role of Lois Lane has been filled by so many wonderful actresses in the past, so I'll support whatever direction they go. So... While it does look like she... like Henry Cavill is back for more Superman films... There has been a, um, setback. <laughs> According to numerous insights or knowledge of the situation, although it has been previously reported that the search for a writer was currently underway, the fact is that there's currently no writer-director attached to a Superman project, and has no formal deal been made to what Kivil to return. The move seat, additionally, according to Inside, as it currently stands in the moment, there's no forward momentum on the project, while newly installed DC Studio bosses have been busy fine-tuning their long-range plan for the DCU. Oh, damn it. Uh. So, um... Heading into this, we don't know what's gonna happen. Great. Meanwhile, Escape from New York reboot is coming from screen directors. A reports that re Deadline reported that Radio Silence was consistent filmmakers, I can't pronounce their names, um, one of them, Matt, Tyler, and Chad. Carpenter will serve as the film's executive producer of this reboot. 
Oh, man. Um, yeah, let's just continue butchering our childhoods for people who were around that time. In fact, wasn't Hideo Kojima inspired by uh, Escape from New York because that led to Metal Gear? In fact, I think it even led to that name, Solid Snake. Yeah. Meanwhile, during the whole heading into the week of Thanksgiving, Twitter had to close all of its office buildings as employees were signed en masse. Uh, damn it. So, yeah. Offices will reopen. Offices reopen on January on November twenty first, but. Yeah, everything's kind of been a disaster at Twitter. So much so that Elon Musk is already thinking about stepping away from Twitter, meaning that you have... <laughs> meaning that you've spent $44 billion for nothing! So, yeah. It sucks, doesn't it? Meanwhile, something else has happened in the wake of the DCU. Now, Dark Crisis is not over yet. Let's let's make that make that clear. Dark Crisis is not over yet, but it has been announced by DC Comics' publication site, DC.com, uh, that we will be getting the new initiative, Dawn of DC, starting in January 2023 with a series of titles, such as, such as a relaunch of Batman, of, of, of action comics, um... DC Comics is embarking on a year-long storytelling initiative following the events of Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths and DC Universe's Lazarus Planet. The world's superheroes have emerged from the biggest, most devastating battles of their lives and are reinvigorated in their fights against evil. With epic new storylines, over 20 new exciting titles, superstar creative teams, and villains that will push the heroes beyond their limits in bold adventures, this line-wide multi-event narrative initiative kicks off in January Action Comics 1051. So, this is what the press release came out with. After the near-multiverse-ending events of Dark Crisis and the Lazarus Planet event, the DC Universe will be heading towards the light. With a brand new series and story arcs from some of the top creative members in comics, Dawn of DC is one of our most ambitious initiatives ever and is a changing for us to tell bigger and bolder stories across our line. With bold new directions for DC's biggest characters such as Batman, Superman, Nightwing, Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy, Dawn of DC is an easy entry point for lifelong readers and those picking up a comics for the first time. Over 20 new titles will be launching throughout the 2023 as part of the DC Dawn DC event, featuring Hal Jordan, Jon Stewart, Shazam, Doom Patrol, Green Arrow, Cyborg, The Penguin, and more. Such as Action Comics, uh, let's see, The Doom Patrol is coming back as Unstoppable Doom Patrol, Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow, a new Green Lantern series. We so there will be um, two Green Lanterns. One is Hal Jordan and one is Jon Stewart. The, the Green Arrow comes back since he disappeared in Dark Crisis. Batman the Brave and the Bold because we need more Batman more titles from Batman. Uh, damn it. Uh, Shazam, number one, by Mark Waid and Dan Mora, who are once again going to work double duty with this, along with Batman Superman World's Finest. We also get The Penguin, which will be available in June with artist, uh, with writer Tom King, so I'm pretty sure we're going to get some more people pissed off about that. And there does seem to be some teasing that we might have Brainiac involved in this event. 
So get ready for all that hijinks. And it seems Hawkman and Hawkgirl will have their own series going on. And it will somehow lead to a new event comic called Night Terrors, from what reports are coming out about the uh about what came out about in it when people edited the Donna DC poster. Personally, I still hope for a Donna Troy miniseries ongoing, so uh, let me dream. Meanwhile, Amazon is planning to release a uh, is planning to release a spinoff based on Marvel Silk, an upcoming Spider-Man spinoff, heading to Prime Video. It will see the Spyverse alumni Phil Lord and Chris Miller, as well as Sony Boss and Amy Pascal as executive producers, saying with Angela King saying, I'm beyond thrilled to be joined as Amazon Studios family for this next chapter in my career. I look forward to working with the top executive teams and the diverse first character for, for water cooler shows for a global audience, and I'm so excited to dive into my first challenge, bringing Korean-American superhero Silk to life on screen. The character is called Cindy Moon, a.k.a. Silk, a Korean-American who was been by the same spider that bit Peter Parker, imbuing her with Spider-Sense web shooting and superhuman strength, speed, and agility. Originally created by Dan Slott and Herbero Ramos. Initially, Silk Spire Society will be the first series in the Spider-Man spinoffs heading to Prime Video as part of a multi-series deal. So, yeah, this was part of the development of back in 2020 as part of Sony's ongoing efforts to build its own Spider-Verse. And she already technically made her debut in the MCU in as a classmate of Tom Holland's Peter Parker in the recent movie Spider-Man Homecoming and Avengers Infinity War. Currently unknown if the actress will return for that series, whether or will the role simply be recast, or this is an alternate version of her. Meanwhile, Fast X's budget reportedly ballooned out of control after the whole um, disaster that happened with his director, with due to Justin Lin's blowout with a uh, fallout with Vin Diesel, and. Yeah, it now has cost them over $340 million, which is higher than F9's estimated $200 million budget. Ouch. Meanwhile, Chris Hemsworth has been teasing the end of his run as Thor. If they're going to make another Thor movie, it will probably be his last. And... Right now, he's currently taking a break from acting because he has discovered something horrendous. He is genetically predestined. He is basically... Okay, Chris Hemsworth learned... <laughs> it's not predetermined yet, but it's looking like it's a strong indication that he is destined to get Alzheimer's. So he's taking a break from acting to following the hot Alzheimer's revelation. Yeah, so um, he's learned the horrid truth that he is doomed, that he may be doomed to become, have Alzheimer's disease. Oh boy. So, that was depressing. Meanwhile, uh, the hit comedy drama The White Lotus will be heading back to HBO for a third season. Yay! Meanwhile, Marvel Blades, Marvel's Blade hires Lovecraft 
country director and shift to darker and grittier take on the MCU. Marvel's Blaze has found its new director, THR, aka The Hollywood Reporter, reports that the upcoming reboot will be helmed by Yan Damin, who previously directed the pilot to HBO's Lovecraft Country. He'll be joined by Michael Sturberry, the Starberry, who will pen a new script for the movie. The pair are replacing the original person who was in charge, who certainly departed the project back in September over the creative differences and causing that re- involved the several release day shifting as a result and hitting the pr- pause on the project. The process also reportedly included the, the, char- the actor being personally involved in selecting the writer for the new script of the new writer. Uh, yeah. So it seems Blade's getting back on track, but it has say. So right now, it's currently st- set to start production in 2023, with the release date planned for September 2024. But um, remember how I mentioned the um disaster of sorts going on at uh Disney with that layoffs. It has is only it's not even in a full year yet, but uh, jo- Bob Chapik has been. Fired as Disney CEO, and Bob Iger is back in. So he will be serving. Bob Iger will be back as CEO of Disney for a second time for the next two years, the company says. His mission will include identifying a proper successor, something Iger has difficulty doing while commanding the troops for the last time. Postponing multiple projects to step down during his 15 years on the top job, the final stage of the 47-year run at Disney. So... Bob Chapik, who recently pissed off fans by saying animation is for kids only and not at all a genre, and not, and not even a medium of entertainment, is just a genre of 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 of, of film. <laughs> God damn it, film and TV, and not his own own medium for bold and fantastic storytelling. It's just for kids. And I will remind you, The Clone Wars is a kid's show. God damn it. Yeah, I'm sure kids love to see decapitations, child soldiers, child's be- children being killed in war or being hunted for sport. I'm sure kids, all kids, were the one were the main target audience for this. Definitely not adults involved in this too. <laughs> like, let's talk about the slave trade in America by by making the Zygerian Empire basically be an allegory for slaver for the slave trade that America went through. Ain't it just for kids? Damn it! <laughs> oh god. Oh god, that, that was a thing. Okay. I'm glad to finally have gotten this episode over and done with. I'll be seeing you all again next time. I will be trying to keep get back up on the whole Judgment Day event and our crisis on Infinite Earths, especially before the big finales come out for that. Uh, oh, God, this is so crazy. 
We'll be seeing you all again next time on the Year Reality Collective Pop Culture News and Reviews Talk. I will be, I'm your host, Eric Brown, as always, of the Year Reality Collective. Feel free to check out my other content throughout YouTube, Twitter, and other spaces. This episode brought to you by, by um, TheEverydayFans.com. Um, feel free to check that out and stay tuned for more. I'll see you all again next time. Peace and take care, everybody, and have a good day, all. sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.